At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Man, we're really excited to be here. It's awesome to get started. And so now we take off. This is the Training Camp Report with Tom Offerman and Bob Labriola on Steelers Nation Radio. Day one of Steelers 2022 training camp in the books. Day two practice later on today. About 155 is when they'll kick things off there. Labs, as always, like we like to do, I want to start with the quarterback, and I want to start with Mike Tomlin <laughs> telling us the absolute truth at his opening press conference on Tuesday, saying that we won't see any changes at the depth chart as far as the quarterback position is concerned, and he was true to the word. Mace, or Mitch was the number one, Mason took second-team reps, and Kenny was number three. And um, it took, I think, the, the first team uh, first team session, first 11-on-11 session, Yesterday, first practice, not even in pads. Um, uh, it started was it was a pass pass heavy period, so the first you know, most of the plays were passes. So Trubisky threw, <laughs> I think it was two incompletions. It might have been three, but then you hear some leather leather lungins or yell from the stands on uh, Chuck Millfield, put in pickets. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I didn't think we'd get lucky to have that until at least the first preseason game. Oh, no, no, why wait? <laughs> I mean, seriously, why wait? So, um, I, you know, I, I had to laugh. A lot of other people did in attendance. Uh, and I will say this, I, I did not personally do this because um, to me it's, it's just a gigantic uh, over um, – being overly uh, concerned about things that don't matter. Um, Pickett, um, Trubisky, and Mason got exactly the same number of reps mm. in the entire practice. So somebody was actually counting them, which... Not you? Um, you weren't counting them with no, a little tally and no. notebook? <laughs> no. I had the notebook and everything, but I mean, <laughs> that's not one of the things that I was taking notes on, I can tell you that. Now... He also mentioned in his opening press conference on Tuesday about – he said, we'll see when it comes to the offensive line and potential changes with that starting group. Well, 
It was exactly the same that we saw all spring. Uh, just to refresh people's memory, first team O-line left to right was Dan Moore, Dotson, Mason Cole, James Daniels, and Chooks at the right tackle. The second group from left to right was Trent Scott, Kendrick Green, J.C. Hassenhauer, John LeGlue, and Joe Haig. I, I got to think in a perfect world, and of course this isn't a perfect world, and injuries happen, poor play happens, great play from people on the second team can happen, but in a perfect world, this first unit at the offensive line has to be their dream unit. That's at least how I read it. Well, you know, the left guard to me is, is something that could change. Um, you know, I was really high on Kevin Dotson mm-hmm. early in his rookie year. Uh, I thought that this guy, um, you know, was, was going to be a real player. I liked um, how physical he was. He was a finisher, um, you know, liked to get, up, get on people and, you know, lock up and, you know, do the whole physical dance with them. Uh, but then last year, I don't really know what happened. I mean, I don't know if um, he came to camp in a condition that disappointed the coaches or, you know, as a second-year player, Mike Tomlin always expects dramatic improvement, significant steps forward. Maybe he didn't see that enough because Dotson lost his, you know, starting job yeah. uh, in camp. And then, you know, he was in and out of the lineup, got injured, missed time. So I really don't know what to think of Kevin Dotson. I don't know if, you know, the real him is what we saw as a when he was a rookie or the real him is what we saw after he experienced a little bit of success and kind of uh, fell back into the pack. So, you know, I think Kevin Kendrick Green um has a chance uh to to get himself uh, into the into the starting lineup. He played primarily guard at Illinois uh and I you know, uh, what I've been told is that's supposedly his better position, at least by everyone who writes the asked and answered. They tell me that all the time. <laughs> and they're the experts. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, I cannot argue seriously <laughs> with, you know, the fact that Kendrick Green was uh, at times overmatched physically as a center. Now, mm-hmm. um, people who understand, you know, the position and um, – playing that and at the NFL and all that stuff, uh, you know, Craig Wolfley and Max Starks um, both said that, you know, there, there are techniques that Kendrick Green can learn to use better than he did last year. And as again, I'm, as I mentioned, he was primarily a guard in college um, that he had a lot of the things, you know, the raw physical tools that could make him a good center. He was athletic, had some um, movement ability, um, he was likened by Mike Tom Tomlin a little bit, you know, in that area. I don't want to, you know, overstate this, uh, but compared him a little bit to Marquise Pouncey as that kind of guy at that position. Uh, Kendrick Green spent some time this offseason working with Pouncey. Oh, nice. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I don't, you know, I'm not ready to give, I won't say give up on him, but um, uh, label him an on-starter. So I think that he has a he has a chance, um, and you know the other guys. I really think um, you got to you got to root for good health. Um, oh, no question, especially you know, this, at that position group. Yes, uh, you know I think Trent Scott has some potential to be a, a decent swing tackle because um, I don't think you want Joe Haig to play a lot there. Um, unless it's really necessary, yeah. I think he would be. He's better as an interior backup, and you know, Leglue was just kind of a guy last year. He did some good things, but I mean, you could see why. You know, he bounced around a little bit. wasn't a high draft pick when he entered the league. 
Um, so, you know, again, I, I have some uh, hope slash expectation for Kendrick Green, uh, some hope for Trent Scott, but uh, mostly uh, you pray for good health. Go to the Basilica, Steelers fans, <laughs> you know, plunk a buck or two down into the collection of basket and light a candle because that's going to be important. And, of course, nothing can be gleaned from the offensive line. You can't determine who's good, who's playing well, until they actually put the pads on. First padded practice being this coming Monday, August 1st. That's really, you know, you can kind of see, oh, this receiver gets out of his breaks really well, or, oh, this corner can really stay in man coverage really well, or what a good pass from Mitch, or great play from Kenny, or, wow, Najee looks explosive. You can see all of that stuff in the shorts and T-shirts portion when you're just wearing helmets, but... That offensive line, you're not going to really be able to tell what you got there until it's it's actual live football. So these couple practices, yeah, it's you get a little feel for them, but you're not going to know until the pads get strapped on. Right, and you know, you mentioned some of the other guys too. Um, you know, for me, I always watch the wide receivers uh, once the pads go on to see who. I won't say, you know, maybe shrinks a little bit once the point, threat yeah. of physical violence is introduced. I mean, you know, who's aggressive going over the middle in shorts and who's aggressive going over the middle when the pads are on? Uh, not that there's a lot of big hitting um, tolerated in training camp because, you know, as, it, as it's said about it, you know, it's Steelers on Steelers. You don't want um, your DBs injuring your receivers. But you also have to, uh, and to me, introduce the threat of the violence and see if these guys can continue to be aggressive and do their jobs because that's what's going to happen on Sundays or Mondays or Thursdays or, you know, whatever day. <laughs> like there's a Saturday uh, these in games. there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a Saturday in there. And, hey, who knows, once the streaming starts, I mean, it could be like college football, <laughs> you know, night playing football. on Tuesday, <laughs> when Thursday night, you know, whatever. So, um yeah, that, that's something that I, I, I'm interested in watching. Uh, we're going to hear from Mike Tomlin and his post-practice thoughts in just a second. But before we get there, th- did you have any surprises to you when it came to, you know, the guys starting uh, the starting 11 on the offense and the defensive side? Uh, Deontay Johnson excluded, obviously. Uh, Cody White got run with the first team because of Deontay holding in or not participating in team drills likely as a negotiation with a contract. Uh, and, of course, Kazi playing for an injured Minka Fitzpatrick. But... Other than that, anything kind of, you know, raise an eyebrow? I know it's only day one and it's early, but anything, you know, that caught your attention? Well, you mentioned it already, but to answer your question, yeah, Deontay Johnson's uh, decision to hold in, uh, as that is now being called, I I question whether that's a good move on his part. Um, You know, I don't know that... Um, there's going to be a meeting of the minds in terms of mm-hmm. um, what what the number is going to be to get that deal done. And so let's just pretend that it doesn't get done and that the two sides are not of the same mind in terms of, you know, what uh, Deontay Johnson is worth, what the Steelers are willing to pay, you know, the availability of what more wide receivers on an annual basis. You know, do the Steelers have the stomach to continue yeah. to roll the dice every draft, you know, and trying to pick guys to replace established pros or, you know, how that all comes together. Because, you know, what what really kind of makes it more dicey this summer is the quarterback situation. I mean, it's not uh, 
a quarterback. It's not going to be a quarterback that Deontay Johnson ever really played with. Whoever wins the job, it's not going to be a guy that he spent a lot of time with on the field together in regular season NFL games. And so, you know, I believe this all along that you need you need to develop if you're a receiver, you need to develop a relationship with the quarterback. I mean, that's something that yeah. Lynn Swan um, knew, understood, perfected right away in 1974 with Terry Bradshaw. Because when it's third and eight and pressure's on the quarterback, he's going to go to somebody he either likes or is confident in or, you know, whatever it is. There has to be some, you know, as Wolfley would say, some good mojo there because, you know, it's an instant decision. Two, three seconds, the, the quarterback has to, assess what's going on down the field and get rid of the ball. So he's going to go to someone that he trusts. And if there's no relationship that has been built over time in practice, not that he's freezing the guy out or anything, but it's just not, you know, it's just not his instinct. So I think that there is somewhat of a, uh, a potential danger for that relationship not to develop. And then, you know, Deontay Johnson doesn't have the kind of season he wants and then his market value is in the dumper, you know, so that this could all blow up in his face and also maybe impact the Steelers offense. So I just, I think that that surprised me a little bit that he would not uh, view the situation or his agent, he or his agent and, or both of them, whatever, would not view the situation, um, you know, thinking it through all the way. Um, like I just tried to explain it. Hey, maybe I'm wrong though. But that's what I think. No, and I think it kind of caught the Steelers a little bit by surprise too, because Tomlin's comments just two days ago was expecting everybody to be a participant. He he was asked point blank, "Do you expect to have any hold-ins?" Kind of like you saw with Watt last year, and he said he doesn't think that he's going to have to deal with that with Deontay. And then fast forward to first day of practice, and Deontay's sitting on the side watching team drills. Well, not sitting on the side. He's he's still. It's not like he's in a lawn chair, you know, drinking a daiquiri watching them practice. He's still doing that his was own individual. <laughs> <laughs> Um, right. Yeah. So yeah, that, that would, that would, for me, that qualifies as a, as a surprise in terms of when they rolled out the first teams. Well, let's hear from the man himself. That's enough out of us. Coach Tomlin spoke to the media following the Steelers first training camp practice yesterday. And here's what coach T had to say. About getting started today, um, this team developmental process and, and doing it in this environment in front of our fans, man, just makes it doubly special. Um, I've been coming here a long time, man. It's not something that I take for granted. It's something that's appreciated. Their presence aids in the team development and the fun uh, and the competition component of what it is that we're doing. And so we're appreciative, man. We hope they keep coming. I know we'll keep coming out with the intentions of working to get better. Um, from an availability standpoint, an injury standpoint, Larry O was a limited participant. We'll manage Larry, man. We're just getting to know him. He's coming off of surgery. Uh, he's ready to go. but. We'll, we'll manage him and proceed with caution because not only is he dealing with injury, but he's new to us. And so that requires a little bit of management, no issues there. Miles Killebrew um, had a pec injury, will be evaluated. I think TD um, has some cramps. Uh, don't expect that to be a significant issue. Um, other than that, um, man, just a lot to teach and learn. I could go on and on about what I saw. Uh, just rest assured that it was a good start and, and we have miles to go. <laughs> I'll pause for questions. Mike, you ready to name a starting quarterback? After <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. But ask me tomorrow. 
Ask me tomorrow. We will, Mike. Don't worry. And no question. No question. Mike, uh, it didn't look like Deontay was doing any of the team stuff. Is that any level of concern on the first day of camp? Absolutely not. You guys know me. Um, I acknowledge that he was less than 100% participant. We'll continue to manage the circumstance. But right now, my energy and focus is on those that are participating. Um, and I think that's the appropriate mindset to have. From time to time, you get in a setting like this, you manage situations and circumstances and people. Uh, but largely, my energy is devoted to those that are working and in the larger body, and that's where I'm at with it. Was that something that was your decision to not have? Was not, no. When, was uh, not. when he doesn't participate, just gives you more of a chance to see some different guys on the outside, or do you bump different guys around? What are you doing in that situation? It, when you get in a setting like this, you got 90 guys to get to know. Um, I've just learned over the course of time is to, to look at it from the perspective of those that get increased rep opportunities. And boy, we got some young guys at that position that you know going to take advantage of some of those opportunities and hopefully for the good. You're not ready to name the starter today, but what did you see from each of the quarterbacks? I saw good work and attentiveness and good communication, and uh, we're crawling. You know, I, I can I can tell you guys some things, but it's the early portion of the process, and I appreciate their attentiveness and professionalism, and and they'll continue to write their stories and sort themselves out. Mike, what you've seen Demonte KZ bring as a vet? You know, I know it's just the first practice about Mika, but how did he look just communicating? Exactly what you just said, man. It's the first practice. You know, wearing helmets, and so. Um, you know, he is a veteran. He's been there, done get that guy. I'm appreciative of that. That's why we went out and acquired him. But not a lot happened today on that front. Mike, an inside linebacker, you it seemed like you were rotating Jack Bush and Spillane. Is that, is that just an early camp thing, or is that something that you could stretch out into a season, for instance? I am into those things, man. And oftentimes, um, you know, we do this thing largely to give everybody an opportunity to be ready and show what they're capable of and divide the labor up and so forth. And so when we got a lot of guys at a position, sometimes we'll work a pair and a spare uh, in the first group in an effort to see more guys like Buddy Johnson, for instance. Uh, we do it at corner um, with Spoon and, and Levi and Cam Sutton. Uh, you work those guys exclusively in, in group one, so you get more of an opportunity to see JP in group two. Uh, so it's not necessarily about the three guys that are working in group one. Sometimes you're just thinning the herd to make sure that the guys in the second and third group aren't sharing reps um, because they got a lot to learn and, and a lot to show us and the more opportunities they get are significant. And so I think it probably represents that. Um, him working with that first group, we have exposure to him. We know what he's capable of and those others that you mentioned more than anything, it, it, it thins the herd so Buddy Johnson and, and, and Mark Robinson and guys like that um, can learn and, and show what they're capable of. Are you taking that same approach at left guard with Dawson and the others behind him? Exactly. You can apply that analogy to, to many positions. Is uh, Gentry coming along developmentally, physically to the point might tinker with a little bit more too tight this year? We've been in that mode. Like you've also yep. talked about splash plays, you got to see your two rookies work, working with everybody. How you feel about some of the plays they were in? You know, it's just the early portion of the process. We got one practice down, so you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna crown them today. We talked to you yesterday about being back here at Latrobe, finally seeing the fans out here. What what was that like for you walking down? Like when I opened, I, I'm just appreciative of it. Uh, I am. Uh, their presence is 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 appreciated and and, and, a, and a significant component of development. Coach, is there somebody that's been that's new to the system, whether it's a rookie or a free agent acquisition, that's stuck out to you as far as being able to fit in the fastest? No. <laughs>
That's Mike Tomlin <laughs> talking to reporters after practice and ending it very bluntly. No, I haven't seen anybody that jumped off the page. It's been first one. Pre- I love how he just kind of, you could tell, and he let it slip in every once in a while, but he just wanted to scream like, this is ridiculous. It's been one practice, and we even ended it early today. We, we didn't know anything out there. Um, yeah, a lot of time to fill uh, for the media uh, attending <laughs> camp either um, you know, on, on the radio or on TV or on podcasts or in cyberspace or whatever. <laughs> and, um, you know, everyone is, you know, and it's, it, it's, it's amusing to some degree because of, you know, you, you can just, you can, as the questions are being posed, you can almost formulate what kind of answer <laughs> you know what's he's going to give. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, um, that's something, uh, that I always kind of chart over the course of a training camp. You know Mike Tomlin's level of tolerance, uh, because he's still pretty tolerant right now. You know the the whole you know if you picked a starting quarterback yet you know the yeah, first he laughed question, about that yeah was, yeah he laughed about that and it was it was said in jest you know I'm not trying to demean the person who asked the question but you know if whoever it is can and I'm not saying it will be the same person throughout the summer but if that question is the first one every time when practice ends. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it'll you know it, it it's gonna get. I won't say ugly because you know Mike Tomlin is is professional. He might get impatient, you know, or short, or you know, a little bit uh, gently mocking. But um, you know, you can see if you're standing down there looking at him as he's being asked these things. You know, <laughs> look in his eyes when you know some of these things continue to get asked. Uh, you can tell. You can hear or almost see the smoke start coming out of his ears. Like he said, we've got miles to go when it comes to training camp, and we still got miles to go here on day two's training camp report with myself and Bob Labriola. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll keep breaking down some things that Tomlin said in his post-practice presser, and Labs had some notable first impressions from day one at training camp that we'll get into those as well. It's the Steelers training camp report right here on SNR. This is the Training Camp Report with Tom Opperman and Bob Labriola on Steelers Nation Radio. We heard from Coach Tomlin and the thoughts that he had following Steelers practice yesterday to end our last segment. Had to hit a break, so we couldn't really discuss everything I wanted to get to, uh, Labs. And a couple things that I wanted to touch on was what he said about the tight end usage, uh, Gentry in particular. Very short answer there, but I think it was a little bit telling. And what he said about the middle linebackers rotating three guys in. Now, he did say he does that to, you know, separate reps from second team guys so they can get a better look at some guys they're less familiar with than, you know, Spillane's been around the block a while and Jack and Bush are your for sure nailed on starters at this point. So, you know, he said it was a way that you can see some second team guys get more reps if you put some of those, you know, backups in with the first team. But I also kind of think that it wouldn't be a bad idea to maybe employ a little bit of a, a rotation in that middle linebacker unit. Uh, see three guys as almost the the starters and, and have split snaps. And then as far as the tight end is concerned, you know, he talked about uh, Gentry looking a lot better and going a lot more double tight. And he just said, we've been in that mindset for a while. So I, I think the writing's on the wall there. They're going to be using double tight a lot more this year. Yeah, let's, let's start with the tight ends because you just ended with that. Um, you know, last year uh, I asked Mike Tomlin, you know, starting with the kind of the end of training camp and then a couple of different times over the course of the season about Gentry. And 
um, you know, his uh, evolution as a blocker, his, his development as a blocker, because, you know, last year when he came to training camp or showed up actually for the start of the offseason program, he had totally remade his body. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, he went to college as a quarterback. So <laughs> not only, well, you know, you know, it, yeah. it's, I'm not making fun of quarterbacks, no, 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 but no, I mean, no. they're not, they're, they're not on the line of scrimmage man to man blocking very large people. Um, so Gentry had to um, remake himself physically to to get, I think, into the you know correct um, physical appearance slash shape to be hand to to be able to handle that. And then I also think there had to be some you know uh, mindset adjustment going on because you have to become you know the guy who delivers a first punch. Uh, when you're in that situation at the end of the line of scrimmage, whether it's for a running play or in pass protection or, or whatever. So it took him a little bit of time, but I think that last year he really showed the makings of uh, the ability to be, you know, a legitimate uh, NFL tight end. And, you know, by the end of training camp, uh, I asked Mike Tomlin if if it's fair to call Gentry the best blocking tight end on the team, and he said, "Yeah, but he has to be. You know, that's his job. And if he's not, then the team is in trouble. You know, and Gentry's future, you know, might not be, you know, what he wants and what the team wants. So uh, I think that last year was a kind of a turning point for him in, in in his development as an NFL tight end and what he needs to the way he needs to play it." the position to continue uh, to be in the NFL. Um, and, you know, the, the Fryermuth thing, Pat Fryermuth, I just think he's going to be a, a super um, um, target for whoever yeah. is the starting quarterback. Uh, and I think he's going to also be a, a significant red zone threat. Um, I'm not going to say he's going to be as dangerous of a red zone threat to a, opponents as Heath Miller was. But he is in; he's on a track to at least be in that kind of a conversation. Um, he made some catches yesterday. Uh, balls were thrown hard, um, and he was making catches with his hands away from his body. And one of the things that you know you you can do this too if if you're close enough. The sound that the ball makes when it uh, hits the receiver's hands, it should almost sound like throwing it into a pillow you know it makes a little poof <laughs> yeah. sound but it's not a hard slap because if it's a hard slap then um you know the, the, he's not whoever it is is not catching it correctly so yeah when the ball hits pat firemuth's hands you don't hear much so um you know kudos to him uh for his hands i'm sure that there he worked on that in the off season not that it was a problem last year but you know you want to get better uh, so I, I think that the Steelers have uh, two tight ends who uh, has, have defined roles uh, as a way of putting it, and they're good at those roles. So, yeah, there's going to there's gonna be some you know, more multiple tight end formations. I think that will help uh, both Najee Harris in the running game and uh, I'm sure whoever the quarterback is in the passing game. Moving to the linebackers now. Um, you know, the, the thing about – you know, I can see the advantage of you know, rotating guys. Yeah. Um, but you you do need you you do need players there who can 
uh, be successful against both the run and the pass. Because if you have run down inside linebackers and pass down inside linebackers, what if the offense doesn't cooperate? Yeah, a quarterback I mean, can that's... call an audible because he's like, hey, these guys can't cover anything. I'm not going to run the ball. Right, or even, even um, you know, because the, the, the other team has guys up in the coach's booth too. Really? And all, t- all teams have this. Uh, somebody up there is either using binoculars or if they have good eyesight as opposed to me, um, <laughs> they can say and call right down to the coordinator, hey, um, you know, so-and-so's in the game. And in their in that that team's meetings, game planning meetings during the week leading up to that game, I'm sure they determined, you know, who's a good inside linebacker against the run, who's a good inside linebacker against the pass. And so if you know they can just say so and so's in the game, and whoever gets that information from up top immediately right. tells the quarterback, you know, what the play is. And you know, th- and that's another thing, you know, fans always ask, you know, why can't they have a you know big Run stuffing nose tackle. Well, you can have one, but what if the other team doesn't run when he's in the game? <laughs> you know that's why guys. That have other team to is have... always throwing wrenches in your plans, aren't they? <laughs> they really are. Uh, you know because um, again, it, it's you, the other team doesn't. If the other team doesn't cooperate, you know that's why you need interior defensive linemen now who have some ability to rush the passer. I'm not saying they've got to be Aaron Donald, but you can't be, you know, let's, and I'll do respect to Casey Hampton, who I think is one of the great Steelers defensive linemen in, in franchise history. Um, to me, he's a Hall of Honor a lock sometime in the future, no doubt. But Casey Hampton was a two down player. He came out on third downs, and that was in an era primarily when teams still ran on first and second downs. You know, now. Yeah. They might, you know, I remember a game in New England in 2002. It was a close game, a field goal difference or something in the second quarter. Tom Brady passed 19 straight times. <laughs> I mean, there was just no attempt to run the ball. They just didn't care. We're not going to do that. We can't do that. So forget about it. And teams will do that now. And so that's why you, you need your defensive players to be not so one-dimensional. And... um so inside linebacker rotation is fine, but you got to have guys who can be respectable um, in both against both the run and the pass for it to have any chance to really work. First impressions can be so valuable for guys in a new environment. That's why I always am playing from behind in the game of life because I'm just awful at first impressions. <laughs> but you had a couple guys yesterday that made some impressions on you. And let's start with the rookie wide receiver, Calvin Austin, who will honestly probably see more of a workload than he might have expected heading into camp with Deontay holding in. Well, and yeah, the thing with Calvin Austin, I mean, you know, he's probably, and I'm just kind of speculating here. 170 pounds soaking wet. Wow. So as we, we talked about in the previous segment, you know, what happens when the threat of violence is introduced? Yeah. Um, now, as Muhammad Ali used to always say, you know, you can't hit what you can't catch. So I think Calvin uh, Austin's path to success in the league, you know, in addition to his toughness, which seems seemed to be evident uh, during his college career, but, you know, it's a step up in the NFL in terms of violence. Um, you you have to be hard to catch. And he was that yesterday. Um, 
the guy has burst. You can see it. Uh, I mean, let me say this. I can see it, which means it's really evident. And I don't want to, I don't want to, um, you know, damn him by saying this, but in terms of that burst, he reminds me of a young Antonio Brown, Mm. um, just as an ability to separate and then just run away from people. So, uh, he did that a couple of times. Um, and you know, that caught my eye. You, you never, you're never sure. Let me say that I'm never sure that when you watch, you know, during the run up to the draft and the immediate post draft, you're seeing highlights of these guys in college. Yeah. So, you know, Calvin Austin, the third, uh, Memphis, who'd they play? He's running away from guys who played defensive back for opponents of Memphis's. And how many of them are in the NFL? Probably not many. So what's he going to be able to do when, you know, he's going against um, real NFL players? And he was running away from them, too. So good for Calvin Austin. Now let's, you know, again, um, there's no violence yet, and he's going to have to continue to perform when that that is introduced and, uh, you know, continue to kind of do the things he did um, yesterday. The other guy I thought who stood out to me, and I'm going to compare him to another guy who came out of nowhere for me in areas of the position other than what you normally think the top responsibilities are for that guy. Running back, Jeremy McNichols. The guy who was just added to the roster on opening day of camp. Right. Um, You know, it was a a blitz. Carl Joseph came in clean. You know, they schemed it up nice where uh, he, Carl Joseph found a hole in the front. I mean, it's not like an offensive lineman blew it or anything. He found a hole in the front and came straight in. Now, you're not allowed to hit the quarterback, but Carl Joseph was going right for him. <laughs> and, again, he's not going to hit him, right. but uh, you, you bust up the It's play. an easy sack, yeah. Yeah, but Jeremy McNichols stepped up, you know, because it was um, – I think it was an under, I I don't remember specifically, but it seems to me the quarterback was under center. So he stepped up, he read, he read where the blitz was coming from because that's the first, that's job one. Because if, even if you take a false step, if you think it's coming from the left and you step that way and it's coming from the right, you probably aren't going to be quick enough to to be able to get over there and and intercept the the blitzer and the quarterback's going to take a hit. But he knew where it was coming from. He stepped up and just kind of, wrapped his arms uh, around Carl Joseph to give him a hug and, you know, just, and they stopped it. Uh, he, well, that they didn't stop the play, but that part of the play stopped because again, they're not, they're not hitting that, and that had I to thought, raise coaches eyebrows a lot, right? Well, raise mine, yeah. raise mine uh, because you need, if you're going to be a running back in the NFL, you've got to be able to do that. If, you, if you're a running back in the NFL who cannot or who is a liability in pass protection, you, you cannot play. Um, so, you know, this I don't know what Jeremy McNichols is going to turn into in terms of is he Najee Harris's backup, is he take carries for a Najee, you know, all of that stuff that, you know, fans love to, to, to debate. I'm not saying he's going to be any of that. But what I'm saying is that he is already showing some things that you need to have in the NFL from that position, some of the, as I said, lesser things that you don't automatically think about. So um, Jeremy McNichols, good job on that from me. And that means anything, (laughs) but good job. Remember day one, (laughs) day one, right. 
But, you know, as far as that's concerned, these three guys put Snell, McFarland, and McNichols together and say they're competing for that number two spot. You know, as far as running the football is concerned, there's nothing that really flashes, and Najee's going to be doing most of that heavy lifting for the entire season, health permitting. But this could be something that really separates one from the others. If they are all pretty similar, eh, they're just average carrying the football, nothing spectacular, but wow, McNichols can really pick up a blitz well. That can be the thing that pushes you over the finish line and gets you that number two spot on the depth chart. Right, because you you you, ha- you can have some confidence of put ha- having him in the game because you know that you don't have to, you know, every time he goes onto the field, um, start saying a novena for your quarterback. Um <laughs> And Willie Parker was like that. You know, Willie Parker got very, very few carries in college. And, you know, he showed up here. And this guy was stepping up and blocking people and picking up blitzes. And, you know, I started looking him up. And I I think he had 34 career carries in North Carolina. And the team was 1-10 in his senior year. And I'm thinking, how how could this guy not get on the field? I mean, what is – he's fast. Nobody can catch him. He's willing to block. He'll hit people. Um, and he turned out to be a pretty good player. So, um, you know, again, it's really early for, for Jeremy McNichols um, to be compared to Willie Parker by me. But I'm just saying in that one area, uh, the ability to do some of the other things that are required of the position, he had a good first day as well. And one last guy that you noted on, again, it's super early. This is the acclimation period of camp. Uh, this is a guy that you really won't get a read on until those pads come on Monday, August 1st. But you thought rookie defensive lineman DeMarvin Leal was flashing a couple times. Even though it's in shorts and T-shirts, he got into the backfield pretty decently. Yeah, and, you know, he's that's the way he's going to have to play, I think. <clears throat> he's not a... Um... He's not a big two-gap kind of guy, you know, head-button, big offensive lineman and stopping their charge and, you know, playing that way. I mean, he's going to get by with penetration, I think, uh, quickness, be disruptive uh, more than uh, immovable, let me say, try and explain it that way. And he showed, flashed a couple of times where, you know, he got off the ball, defeated his man quickly. And, you know, he was running around in the backfield chasing the guy with the ball. Now, again, you're not tackling him and, you know, all that other stuff. So you don't know if he finishes the play or not. But, again, for what we were looking at yesterday and what the rules were uh, of participation, he showed me some things that, again, um, you heard about these traits that he was going to bring. And you wonder if that's actually going to transfer for him from college to the NFL, and you saw a little bit of that working for him yesterday. Want to get into the Steelers' secondary? They had themselves a pretty decent opening day of practice at training camp, so we'll do that on the other side. We'll talk about what to look forward to in today's practice and wrap up today's training camp report right here on Steelers Nation Radio. This is the Training Camp Report with Tom Opperman and Bob Labriola on Steelers Nation Radio. Wrapping things up here on day two of the Training Camp Report, Steelers Training Camp 2022 from St. Vincent's is in full swing. We're going to get into the secondary's performance yesterday and talk about some things to look forward to today's practice. If there is a practice today, Labs, you're saying they've got some bad weather up there in Latrobe right now. Well, as we were ending the previous segment, um, you know, I heard what sounded like rain. So, um, one of hard rain. And one of the things 
one of the sites I always have bookmarked when I'm up here is the nationalweatherservice.gov. And so I looked it up for today, and it says um, chance of um, scattered uh, thunderstorms is 50%. Well, I can tell you it's 100% <laughs> at the moment. Because if it's actually raining, I think that means that it's 100% chance. Um, I'm not a meteorologist. but um, you just play one on but yeah, the it's Yeah, it's, um, it's not raining as hard as it was maybe three or four minutes ago. Uh, and, uh, you know, no, no, no disrespect meant to Bill Cower, but Mike Tomlin is not a guy who is any bit reluctant to uh, practice in the rain. Yeah. Um, they will be careful. They will be careful not to, you know, destroy the grass because you don't want that, especially this early. Um, but the, there's a, a drainage system installed by the Steelers up here for these fields. And so, you know, they, they, they usually, you know, drain pretty well. And they also have the equipment that, you know, can help that. So, um, and you also have to, the other thing you have to be careful for with, you know, uh, wet conditions is slippery because you don't want guys pulling groin muscles, you yep. know, slipping and sliding out there. So, you know, we'll have to see how it, uh, how it turns out. You know, we've got a long way before 155, which is the scheduled start of training, uh, uh, training camp practice today. But it, it is, it is raining. It has been raining. Too. So, so if you're driving up to Latrobe, listening to us right now, hope you brought an umbrella. If you're going to head up, bring an umbrella to today's festivities. And like you said, hopefully it'll clear up by 155 when the team takes the field for practice. Uh, yesterday's practice, it, it, it's kind of uh, ridiculous to give an MVP to a position group in day one of training camp, but you'd probably have to give it to the secondary. They really popped. Um, you mentioned in your write-up on Steelers.com, if you haven't had a chance to read that yet, go to Steelers.com and check out Lab's practice reports. He'll be writing those up every day after practice. Uh, but you talked about Sutton opening up in the slot, showing great technique and breaking up a pass from Trubisky early. Justin Lane had a broken pass, uh, a pass breakup later in the practice uh, session, and then they ended it with the cherry on the top. Yeah, um, Cam Sutton uh, was playing in the slot that when when they opened uh, on defense, the outside corners. You know, as I mentioned earlier, the offense and it was a pass period, so there were five defensive backs. So the guys on the outside were. Levi Wallace and Akello Witherspoon and Cam Sutton lined up inside. The the safeties were uh, Terrell Edmonds and um, DeMonte Casey. Casey for Minka Fitzpatrick, right. who <laughs> during, you know, he's on uh, NFI, non-football injury list with that wrist injury from falling off the bike. Somebody asked him, uh, Jerry Dulac asked him about um, some, something about it, and he says, yeah, I, I guess I need training wheels. <laughs> which was clever. Um, but uh, I was watching Aminka Fitzpatrick. He's off on the other field, and he was dressed as the other players were, um, just not participating with them because he's on that list. But So he and the um, one of the assistant trainers were uh, running across the field uh, widthwise, and the trainer was, they were about 10 yards apart, and he's flipping him the ball, and he's catching it with one hand while he's running back and forth back and I'm thinking you know quit showing off <laughs> anyway we get it you're uh, really good <laughs> right but uh, Sutton did a nice job his his pass breakup uh George Pickens is the guy who ran the route um Sutton stayed with him read his break uh, correctly planted drove on the ball cut underneath the receiver and knocked the pass down um 
and then you know practice was ended um, by the Kenny Pickett interception. Um, let me let me get the correct way to say the defensive back's name because I don't want to. Uh, uh, Carlin's Platel. I don't want to. Um, I was going to go right out on that ledge if you mom. didn't. Okay. Um, Playtel. But, but uh, yeah, he made a nice play. The The ball wasn't greatly thrown by Kenny Pickett. I mean, uh, he was trying to make something happen. Yeah. Um, whatever. Uh, so, I, you know, I guess I, I, I was waiting for any uh, guys from the fans from the stands to comment on that, but you didn't get any of those. So, you know, I guess you only get the people you only yell out good things for him but that'll change too <laughs> yeah where is the yeah it's a good point where was the guy from the first segment that you said was yelling for kenny pickett why wasn't he yelling for mitch yeah. at that point well and um it, it one of the things you notice here uh is the cheering from the the stands at chuck Knoll field and along the hillside usually is for good offensive plays and some of the defensive guys get honked off Oof. Because, like, when they make a play, you know, bat up the ball or uh, bat the ball down, excuse me, or, you know, do something to disrupt the play, uh, usually it's not greeted with booing or anything, but there aren't the loud cheers that you would hear. Uh. Or, you know, when George Pickens gets behind you and catches a ball and runs for a touchdown, (laughs) you get a big roar. But, you know, it's it's, it's all part of the process. I, I enjoy the... The, the theater of it a lot of times, and it you know breaks up the monotony too. Well, day two of practice starts at one fifty-five today, of course, weather permitting. Anything you might be looking forward to? You think we'll see seven shots? You made a note that they didn't do seven shots in yesterday's practice, and it's really one of the rare times that you can remember since they didn't do the drill. Yeah, since, since it was instituted by Mike Tomlin, and I can't remember um, exactly the year, but Le'Veon Bell and uh, Antonio Brown were both playing then it wasn't one of those holdout years for bell or you know weird years for antonio brown or any of that stuff so it was in the mid 2010s i'm guessing and i really you know even in regular season practices now i haven't seen every practice every day i'm not going to try and pretend that i have but typically seven shots was one of the first competitive drills of every practice session they didn't do it yesterday now i don't know if it was because Ben is retired or, or what, but it was just noticeable. And so I noted it, uh, don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's something that's passe in, in, in the minds of Mike Tomlin and Matt Canada. Um, no one asked him about it. Didn't really think to ask him about it. It's not that big a deal. Um, but you know, when you, when you're trying to fill cyberspace with a practice report, uh, the first practice of a training camp with no pads, um, you grab whatever low-hanging fruit you can find. <laughs> well, one thing that fans who are going up to Latrobe today and for the rest of the training camp can look forward to is the Steelers legend photo op opportunity that they can get. Um, uh, from noon to one at St. Vincent, there'll be a photo op each day with a different Steelers legend. Today, Randy Grossman is the legend, and I understand, Labs, you have a little inside information about the schedule for the Steelers legends coming up. Yeah, um, you know, it's it's evolving naturally. I mean, um Lynn Molino is the person from the Steelers in charge of trying to, you know, line these guys up. And, you know, they're a lot of them, you know, they have their own lives. It is the summer trying to get them to come to Latrobe. They're not all of them uh, have remained in the area. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's some hoops that have to be jumped through. But anyway, 
Uh, you mentioned Randy Grossman. Chris Hoke is on the 29th. Um, Chris Hoke will only be doing the photo opportunity from noon to 1230 because at 1230 he starts playing Madden. Um, you know, the professional video team, the Pittsburgh Knights, I yes. think they're called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he will be playing uh, against John Beast of the the, Knight, the Pittsburgh Knights from 1230 to 1. For so, the public. The fans um, can still go watch that, of course. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it's going to be right there. No, they're going to go in a Batch dorm room on... and do it privately. No one can see it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, well, I'm done with it pictures. Rain. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope it doesn't rain. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Batch is the 30th. Mike Logan, August the 1st. Larry Brown, August the 2nd. Uh, then you start getting into the TBDs. Um, John Banizak is August the 4th. Dwayne Woodruff the 6th because the 5th is Friday Night Lights. Right. Um, then uh, the 8th, because the 7th is a day off, Bryant McFadden. Uh, and then you're pretty much TBDs from August the 9th till whenever uh, camp is closed or practices are closed to the public. So, you know, we may have some more updates uh, on that as, it, as time goes on, but uh, that's what you got right now. So get up to camp today and get your picture taken with Steelers legend Randy Grossman. Like we said, noon to 1 p.m. he'll be taking photo ops with the fans. That's going to do it for day two's training camp report. Always appreciate you guys giving us a listen. For Bob Labriola, I'm Tom Opferman. Day two of practice starts at 1.55 at Chuck Knoll Field in St. Vincent's at Latrobe today. Wolf and Starks up next right here on your home of the Steelers, Steelers Nation Radio. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the land of saints and sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment, watch it now on digital. Rated R.